Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Hawks Live, we are back, man. We're presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. How we doing, folks? We good. Got a nice crowd right here. Thanks for coming out for week number two. Paul Moyer is still doing what Paul Moyer does. So I got my guy, B-Walt, a.k.a. B-Weezy. How you doing, man? B-Weezy. Never gets old, I'll tell you that much. But I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. Good to be back here. Good to be with the fans, as always. Thanks for showing up. Uh, so here we go. Another week, right, Bump? Another week. We got a great show, man. We got Mike Morris is going to join us today. We'll have some phone interviews as well. So you guys hang tight. Going to give away some stuff with some raffles, some gift cards. All of that is going down today on Hawks Live, man. But unfortunately, folks, we know what happened last week. All right. These guys came out. The Seahawks did not get it done against the L.A. Rams. But we warned you. We told you guys that it was going to be tough. The Rams always play the Seahawks tough. I don't care who's the head coach. It can be Fisher. It can be McVay. I don't care who the quarterback is. It can be Wolford. It can be uh, Goff. It does not matter. But we have to deal with Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford had himself a day, man. 24 of 38, 334 yards. Uh, no touchdowns. But he got after it. Who's cheering for the Rams over here? All right, we'll say hi over there. I hope no one's cheering for the Rams, though, man. This is Seahawks <laughs> production, man. All right, but B-Walt, man, when you look at this game, uh, what's the first thing that stands out to you? What went wrong for these guys? The first thing I think about is, man, how can two halves of football be so different? You know, you go in from that first half, you know, you're up 13-7, could be 16-7, and you're like, okay. You know, we came in, and, and we, we, we got the lead here. Now we're ready to finish them. You know, Pete Carroll team is all about finishing. So you go into that second half with the lead, you're pretty confident that you're going to get it done. But, man, I, I don't know. Like the second half was just, it was just weird. It was a it weird was. half of ball. When you're only running 14 plays as an offense and, and uh, you know, you're not getting off the field on third downs as a defense, it's just nothing's going to go right. And it was just very uncharacteristic. But, man, I love what I saw in the first half. <laughs> first half was great. They came out, they came out and, and, and took the lead, and, and it, it, we were rolling. No punts in the first half. Right. You got to love that. Yeah, the first half was good. Right? You come out, uh, you don't get a uh, touchdown with that very first drive. You got to settle for three points. And then the Rams come out, they put a drive together. And then you respond, right? You find DK in the back of the end zone. You're feeling like, okay, things are starting to work. But the second half comes around, and you're not able to get things going. I've spoken to a lot of people, and they focus on that third, uh, third down uh, number, right? I think the Rams were like 11 to 17 or something like that. They're saying, look, it was too easy to convert on third downs. When a team has third and short, I want you to look at first and second down. That means they're putting plays together to set up that third down. But there was a positive with this whole thing. Going into this game, people are saying, how was the 30th ranked team against the run last year going to hold up against this Rams offense? They did just fine. Rush the ball. The Rams rushed the ball 40 times for 92 yards. What did you think about the run defense? <laughs> I mean, if that, that's what the offseason goal was, was to fix the run defense, we did it. Like, that was impressive. Uh, Jaron Reed held his own in the middle. Uh, I love seeing him in there, uh, bringing Draymond Jones in. He showed what he can do there. Bobby Wagner, 19 tackles. 
Uh, he's back. Good to see him on the field. Jordan Brooks recovering from an ACL injury, like, you know, better than Adrian Peterson did. I mean, <laughs> it, you, so you have to like what you saw as far as uh, stopping the run because uh, you knew that the Rams were going to come in and try to expose the Seahawks with the run game. Cam right. Akers was coming off, you know, I think four of his best, uh, best games at the tail end of last season. Uh, he ran the ball really well. So he's coming in with that momentum coming, and, and they couldn't really uh, get anything going. So they relied on uh, Matthew Stafford's arm. But unfortunately, Matthew Stafford is uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy, as he's showed. And so that came back, and he, and he had himself a, a great game. Yeah, Matthew Stafford had to remind us. He goes, look, don't forget about me. Pro Bowl or Super Bowl champion, he did his thing. And uh, didn't have Odell Beckham, who he did have. He had Tutu Atwell, and he also had Puka Nakua, the guy who was uh, at UW and transferred to BYU. And they exploited the middle of the field. You got to tip your cap sometimes and say, look, you guys saw something in this defense um, that was weak, and you went after it. So, um, you know... You look at the secondary and you say, all right, that should have been the stronger point of this team. You got two good safeties out there. You bring over Julian Love. Uh, you have Tariq Woolen on one side. Trey Brown started, and then we saw a bit of Michael Jackson as well. Kobe Bryant was in the mix. Artie Burns, so much depth in that secondary. I look at what happened and I say, there's no way it can get any worse than what we saw last week. No, but sometimes, sometimes you do have to tip your hat to the other team, right? They come in with a great game plan. I mean, they've had months and months to, to come up with this game plan. You know, it's not like you're going from one team and then you have one week to, to, to prepare for this team, right? You know, right? They've been looking at this week one matchup against the Seahawks for a while. Um, you know, you know McVay is going to come out with something. He's going to come out on all cylinders and have something up his sleeve. So it, it's, it's tough to really be critical uh, of the defense at this point, I think, uh, you know, it, the, as far as the pass defense, there, there's, we have great players out there. Right. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to trade them with, for anybody. And then it only gets better this week. We're hoping to see Witherspoon back. Um, and so it's just one of those things that the Rams just got us. Uh, that's what I think. They, they got us. They spread us. They took advantage of stuff they've seen on film, uh, tendencies they've seen, you know, throughout the past years. And, and they got us. And, and here's the good news. The good news is it's week one. It's there week it one. And they're going to come back. The Seahawks will be like, okay, maybe this is a little weakness here in the middle of the field spreading us out. Now you can fix it. Mm -hmm. If this happens week 15, week, week, week 16, you're a little more up in arms. You're a little more worried. It's like, wow, where's this been? But, but it's week one. So I, I would be very surprised to see something like this, especially in the middle of the field, all those holes and stuff, uh, be a problem for the future games. That's what keeps me optimistic. All right, folks, I know that you guys, look, I, I do a, a daily show, 10 to 2, if you're ever interested, the Bump and Stacey <laughs> show. Curtis Rogers, our producers, family in front. All right. And all week, we got people saying, oh, my God, what are they doing? Fire Pete, do this and do that. I go, hold on, it's week one. You, never, you ever had a bad week at work and you get fired? Now, this is what needs to happen. We got to see some type of improvement, right? We got to see the middle of the field be shored up. We want to see that run defense remain consistent. But I look at this as an opportunity for this coaching staff and for this team to look at the film, look at the mirror and say, okay, what can I do to make this team better? Now, if you come out against the Detroit Lions, who as of right now has, I believe, what the number eight offense in the league, they put up um, a bunch of yards last week. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday at their house during their ceremony. This is a good football team. But if you come out and we see the same mistakes, then I think you start to worry just a little bit more because we know that this isn't baseball. You don't have 160 plus games. You got 17 of them things. You want to see some things fixed. So when you look at this defense and you look at the struggles that they had, 
where do you think that they can get better? I know there's the obvious answers, but specifically, like, what would you do if you were the D coordinator and try to fix some things? Well, I feel like they, the theme of all the week, uh, the talk around the facility, all that has been communication, uh, making sure that guys are on the same page, making sure, you know, we're filling the right holes or, or we're, we're passing off receivers the right way. Um, it just just being being one, being cohesive, uh, because, you, you know, you, when you, we look back and see some of the, the Rams highlights, as we'll see later in the show today, it's, you know, you see a lot of mishaps, a lot of, you know, guys running into each other, maybe knocking each other off routes and, and, and guys springing open that way um, for the Rams, which, which allowed for all these third down conversions right. or, you know, so, so I, I think communication will be uh, the big thing I want to see improved upon. You got to know where your guys are at all times so you don't have those, so you're not tripping on each other's feet and, and really shooting yourself in the foot. You know you have the athletes to line up against these guys, but, but if you're tripping and, and running into each other and falling, you can't cover anybody. You know, it doesn't really matter. So, so let's make sure we communicate. Know, know where you're past, you know, what you're expecting, tendencies for the guys, the routes, you know, what, you, what do you do on certain motions, how do you pass certain guys off, and that kind of thing. Yeah, when I think of communication, I think of the lack of reps for guys during preseason, and there's two ways you can look at that. There are some teams who have veterans or have played with each other and you don't really need those guys out there to get these reps. There are some teams who have new additions, even with these veterans, you feel like, okay, you need those reps. But at the same time, you still risk injury. So I look at this situation, I go, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, all right, you start these guys, someone gets banged up, everyone's going to look at Schneider and Pete Carroll and say, what are you doing? Now, you don't start these guys and you have the week that you have, people are going to look at you and say, okay, what are you doing? I go back to 2020, uh, 2020 season, when it was COVID, no one's in the stadium, um, we're at these games, and that team comes out and they look good, offensively at least, right? They put up 35 points, they start 5-0, and and I go, for that team, that works for them. I could see where people could question whether these guys got reps in the preseason, but I go, look, it's risk-reward for me. I want to make sure all my guys are healthy, guys like Jordan Brooks, Jamal Adams, obviously um, he has, uh, he's been practicing as of late, uh, but this is your preseason game, kind of, right? You don't want it to be, but you got to treat it as that because now you have film to go off of and get better. Yeah, and this is one of those topics that it's, it's hindsight, right? Like, right, always. Man, you know, okay, he got injured in the preseason. We shouldn't have played him. But now, oh, he came out rusty this first game. We should have played him. And it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, there's no right answer to this question. It's right. whatever you're feeling, mm-hmm. whatever you're going with the, you know, the, the, the mood around the facility, however they get, you're talking to your guys. You know, hey, how are they practicing? These coaches see these guys every day. And if they're practicing fast, they're on top of it. Uh, then, you know what? Maybe they don't, don't need to play in the preseason games. And, and and they're going to be fine coming in. So it's just there's a lot that goes on to the thought process of it. So and it's there's no correct answer. It's it's whatever you feel. Pete's done it one way the whole time, and it's worked before. It hasn't worked. It is what it is. So it, it I don't I don't like the talk because you know he whatever the coaches decide that's what they got to do. So it, it, there's no there's no right answer. So all yep. the diet you know that's why you have the coaches right. They get to make those decisions. We don't have to. There's no right answer. The right answer is the head coach's right answer. Exactly. That's what it comes down it to. All right, folks, we are just getting started. Thank you for joining us live right here. When we come next, we're going to talk to Tim Twinneman. He is with DetroitLions.com. He's going to give us inside of, of this matchup. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. 
You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday, right here on 710, we will be here talking about the Hawks. And right now, man, we got Tim Twinneman of DetroitLions.com. Tim, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well. And you know what? It's crazy what a year does, because last year we look at this matchup, and uh, we respect all opponents, right? Of course, this is the NFL. You can't sleep on anybody. Then we get into a shootout, and you go, you got to watch those Detroit Lions. And then you guys help us out. You beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. We go, thank you, Detroit Lions. And then coming into this year, you guys get it done on a Thursday night. We go, oh, man, those Detroit Lions. And now we got to see you coming up this weekend. What's the feel like in Detroit, the shift in the culture? It's got to be a good time out there um, in Detroit. Yeah, and it's an exciting time. I think you kind of felt the buildup in the off season with what Brad Holmes has done in the draft the last couple of years, and then you get a couple of vet guys in C.J. Gardner Johnson, in Cam Sutton, guys that have you know been in this league, done it at a high level. And you know, you talked about coming here last year and, and the shootout, and I think that's where the big difference is with Detroit. They feel like they've improved themselves defensively pretty significantly. You look at last week holding Patrick Mahomes in that office at 316 yards. They were 0 for 7 on third down. They had just 20 points, and that's always been the big difference. You know, Detroit can play offense. You guys know that. You saw that shootout last year, but it was, you know, losing, you know, a high-scoring game to the Eagles and some of those shootouts. They just had to be better defensively. So, you know, building a toughness, a physicality uh, on defense, adding some veteran guys, I think that's where the biggest difference is with this football team. And we know they can score points. they got explosive guys in offense, but now they think they've got a defense, and that makes them pretty dangerous. Hey, Tim, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this to you, but uh, as a, you know, a Detroit reporter, you have the perfect last name as, as actually one of my favorite <laughs> athletes of all time. Number 20, Barry Sanders, Tim Twentyman. I think that's actually uh, amazing. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> uh, am I the first person to ask to tell you that? No, you're not. Actually, if you come up with a joke I haven't heard with my last name, I'll be pretty impressed, guys. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go there with the jokes, but I'm going to stick with the backfields, uh, speaking of Barry Sanders. And, you know, your backfield this year in Detroit, it's all, all new guys this year. All, all new, right? You don't have uh, Swift. You don't have Jamal Williams anymore, but you got David Montgomery. You got the rookie Gibbs. Uh, tell us what you think about that backfield. How will they fill the roles or the shoes of the, the guys that left last year? Yeah, speaking of one of the guys that left last year, DeAndre Swift, I'm watching the game right now, and he's doing an all right job there in, in Philly, his hometown, so good for him. But, look, this is a Lions team that rushed for over 2,000 yards last year. But they actually threw for over 4,000, rushed for over 2,000. The only time in, in the team's history they've accomplished that, and they had over 20 rushing touchdowns. So they were really good running the football last year. But, guys, they think they're even better with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I think they think they're more explosive. I think they looked at last year, and they were able to grind yards and, and, and score touchdowns. But they think they've got some big play guys, especially in Jameer Gibbs. You saw that a little bit last week. Um, you know, just nine touches. They were kind of working him in, the number 12 overall pick. But he was pretty electric. 60 scrimmage yards and just nine touches. And, and guys, he he made seven guys miss in nine touches. So, you know, he's pretty explosive. And we've all seen what, what David Montgomery can do over the years. Now he's got, you know, one of the best offensive lines to run behind. He's pretty elusive, great in pass protection. And so they really love the duo. They think they're going to be able to grind out, you know, yards on the ground, make some big plays on the ground. And then in the passing game, we, we, especially with Jameer, they think they're dynamic there. So they really like, what they've got in the backfield and they think it can be a real weapon for them both you know running the football and catching out of the backfield as well 
Gotta love what they have in the backfield. Uh, but Tim, man, your quarterback, right? When Jared Goff <laughs> left Los Angeles, he was perceived as a guy who had success because of the talent around him. He's entering his third year with the Detroit Lions, and I think he just earned the respect of being a good quarterback. 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,400 yards last year. When you guys first acquired Jared Goff, did you think he would be this guy, or did you think he was a transition quarterback? You know, a lot of people did, and I think it was just kind of wait and see. I think, you know, Brad Holmes was with him in, in Los Angeles. He was one of the guys that, 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 you know, beat the table to draft him number one overall back in the day. And so, yeah, Brad Holmes was very aware of, of the kind of quarterback Jared Goff was. Look, he had won a lot of games. He had taken a team to a Super Bowl. Um, so there was a lot of respect in Detroit. Um, but you, you obviously had to see it. And, and there were some growing moments with some new pieces. And they fired an offensive coordinator midway first season but I think once you know Ben Johnson came the offensive coordinator here and, and he built this offense and it wasn't Ben Johnson saying okay this is what we do this is my scheme here fit it no he invited Jared Goff in and they built this thing together and when you do that with a quarterback now all of a sudden he takes ownership of this offense right and you've seen how that has developed and I think you know you mentioned the 29 touchdowns but I've mentioned the seven interceptions too mm. um you know and and he's gone 359 straight passes without interception it's the third longest streak in history guys Crazy. and so when they went eight and two last year they found a formula Look, if we take care of the football, if we run, if we do play action. Jared Goff has 130 passer rating on play action passes, best in the league. So they found a formula that fit Jared Goff, and now we're seeing the results of that. And, you know, now they've got a defense to go along with. With some of the new weapons they've got, they just feel really good about the quarterback position, Jared Goff, and this offense. And um, he's playing at a really, really high level right now. Things are rolling in Detroit. Now, I got to ask you. When when you think when was the last time that you've seen this much hype around a Lions team? Not in my 15 years, guys. <laughs> I mean, and 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 it's going to be exciting in Ford Field. You know, I, I I used to write for the Detroit News before I took this job with the Lions, and there are two events that I've covered in my lifetime where my ears were just still ringing hours after a game. It was the Monday Night Football game in 2011 when the, the Ford Field was so loud that the, the Bears had nine false start penalties. And the other one was covering the NCAA final, individual finals. Wrestling fans, guys, are crazy loud. Um, but I think Sunday is going to rival that. And so, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this team. You saw what the fans did in Kansas City. There had to have been 10, 15,000 Lions fans in Kansas City. There is a ton of excitement around this team. They're unveiling a statue for Barry Sanders on, on uh, Sunday at the game. So um, it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be loud. And it, this is the most excitement there's been around this team just because of what they've built and, and you know, what they have. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty solid roster, and people are pretty fired up around here. Well, Tim, you got me nervous. One, you mentioned the uh, unveiling <laughs> of a Barry Sanders statue. That's never good. And then, um, obviously, the way this team is playing. But two, the ski masks that are going to be there this weekend. Um, uh, uh, is that a safety concern? Like, what's going, what's going on with that? Are they, are they bought yeah, into the ski mask deal? Yeah, that's, that's something C.J. Gardner-Johnson kind of started this week. It seems like it might be taking off a little bit. Uh, I will not be partaking in the ski masking at, at Ford Field, but... Um, you never know. As long as people have some fun um, with it, um, you know, what's the harm, I guess? Hopefully there's no security issues. <laughs> hey, Tim, well, we appreciate your time, man. We expect a battle this weekend, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. 
Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I tell you what, guys, uh, this Lions team certainly gives Seattle a lot of respect to the last two times these, these teams have played. 51 points and 48 points for Seattle. So Detroit is certainly not taking these guys lightly. Don't try to soften us up, Tim. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you take care. Thanks, Tim. All right, guys. <laughs> hey, guys, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collection Dining District. Tonight, the giving away tickets or gift cards to Cactus and Daniel's Broiler. Okay, coming up next, we chat with the Seahawks. We chat with the Seahawks. Tackle Stone Forsyth. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. This is Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 Seattle Sports. And right now we are joined by a Seahawks player, man, Stone Forsyth. Stone, how you doing? Doing good. How about you? Hey, we are well. What I want to say, you got a football name. I mean, you were destined to play football. Stone Forsyth. I mean, your parents knew what they were doing with that name, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you're, you're from Florida. You played for Florida. You pretty much took the longest flight in America that you could take to get to Seattle. Um, what was that like? How, how do you like the area so far? Oh, it was great up here. I mean, all the green. Um, all the water and everything, you know, it's kind of like Florida, just it's a little colder up here. But uh, now nah, area is great. Uh, love the views out of even that practice field, the facility and stuff like that. But it's, it's good up here. Stone, there's a uh, little less alligators up here, though. You won't see those in Lake Washington. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> now you're right outside of Disney, right? That's where you're from? Uh, right? Yeah, Winter Garden. Kind of yeah, did you go to Disney very much growing yeah. up? Um, actually, Universal. My mom used to work there, so we had uh, year passes, so we'd go there quite often. That's where the real rides are, Bump. That's where the real rides <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. never been. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our guy, B-Walt, has a home in Florida. He's always trying to get me to go down there. Hey, man, um, what's it like, man? I'm an undrafted free agent. My guy, B-Walt, here was an undrafted free agent. So we know what it's like to prepare and not necessarily know if you're going to play or not. Now, you have, you, it seems like you might have an opportunity here uh, to get in the game. So what, what's your preparation like every week when it comes to just diet or sleep or film? Just take us in the life of Stone Forsyth throughout a week. Um, definitely, I'm big on sleep. So, I mean, um, people joke around saying me and my uh, wife are kind of like an old couple because we're sleeping by 930. But, uh, <laughs> no, nah, just kind of preparing through the week. I mean, uh, I've always in the swing tackle here so even even though if i know i'm not playing i'm kind of getting ready like i'm getting ready to play but uh, just a lot of film uh kind of mental preparation uh, a lot of stuff in the meeting room like uh, reps are pra- uh, limited at practice so you just got to take advantage of that but uh, just just a lot of film and uh, kind of visualizing what i got to do you know you uh you started a game last year now has that helped you prepare for this moment as well uh, yeah, for sure. Kind of get those nerves out of the way. But, I mean, there's always nerves going into a game. But, uh, yeah, kind of – I mean, that was a home game, so this would be the first road game. So it will be a little different. So w- when I was coming up in the league, I had a, a young receiver coach. He was young at the time. His name was uh, Robert Prince. He's now with the Dallas Cowboys. And it was cool because we could relate, right, listen to the same music, kind of talk the same. You got a younger coach in uh, Andy Dickerson. What's that like being coached by him? Oh, it's great. Uh, kind of like you said, he's younger, so uh, he can relate to us, tries to play some music, kind of be one of the boys in the meeting room. But uh, he, he knows what he's talking about, gets all on the same page, uh, 
kind of works on our technique and everything and trying to get us uh, better every week. Stone, I'm always curious about the uh, dynamics in, in certain position rooms. You know, when I was in Seattle, the whiteouts, you know, we were like the talkative bunch. You know, we had we had guys like, you know, Doug Baldwin and Percy and Golden mm-hmm. and, and all these guys loved to just, you know, they were out there all the time. What's what's the O-line? If you had to describe the offensive line group, how would you describe them? And, and who's who's the vocal guy? Who's the quiet guy? What would you give me the update in the O-line room? Oh, uh, room's quiet all around. I mean, <laughs> Kind of, we got a uh, kind of Greg. Greg's a standout guy. Olu, one of the rookies. But uh, other than that, we're kind of all quiet. We'll crack jokes a little bit. I think Joey Joey Hunt's probably the most outgoing right now. But uh, it, it's a very quiet room. I'd probably say we're the quietest in all the positions. Maybe the quietest, but I would assume you guys are one of the closest. Every team I've played for, the offensive line, those guys are extremely close because you guys depend on each other a lot. Uh, to get your job done. Uh, growing up, did you always play offensive line? I, I, this is, or at least let me let me start here. In my experiences, I find that offensive linemen start off like at tight ends, quarterbacks, maybe even receivers, and then as you grow and everyone else stops, you kind of just get stuck on that offensive line. What was your journey like to get um, on the O line? Uh, no, I started off playing O line. Uh, my first year playing. We didn't have a center, and uh, my dad played center, so he's like, all right, you're going to be the new center, so he kind of taught me all that. So I played center from fourth grade until my junior year of high school, and I got too tall, and then they moved me out to tackle. <laughs> so I've always been on the line. Hey, uh, this week uh, you just signed a guy, uh, Jason Peters, future Hall of Famer. He's 41 oh, years yeah. old. Tell me what that means to you. Is that is he someone you can rely on? Will you pick his brain about you know his experiences? You know what's made him a good player? Uh, how how is that in the room? How how's he doing? Oh yeah, definitely picking his brain. Uh, he's a good good resource to have around. Um, even even if you don't have questions, ask him. He'll come tell you stuff what you need to do or what you did good or anything like that. So it's it's cool to have a one of those older vets in the room that you can. Uh, has played a lot of ball and has a lot of experience, and you can pick their brain. Uh, you guys are coming off a tough week, man. Uh, I'm sure you guys didn't perform the way that you expected. Uh, what's the mood like over there at uh, at VMAC, and what's been the message to get you guys back on track to being who uh, we feel and, and you guys know you can be? Um, it's kind of, I thought going in, it was, it's just one game. We got a bunch more. Um, we're not going to let one game define our entire season, so it's just kind of the week to come out, uh, be one and zero at the end of the week. That's our goal. Hey Stone, what have you guys seen on the other side of the ball? You have a guy named Aiden Hutchinson. So uh, you know you guys got to prep for him. He's defensive uh, runner-up, defensive rookie of the year. Um, what have you seen on film from him, and, and how are you going to attack him? Oh, he's definitely a great guy, a high effort kid. Um, he has a lot of moves. Uh, he, a lot of uh, spin moves, kind of bull rush, speed rush, has a little bit of everything. So just kind of got to play to myself and uh, just stay sharp in my technique. So during weeks like this, when you know you're going into a hostile environment, right? We just spoke to one of the writers for the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're going to be wearing ski masks. It's going to be loud in there. Do you guys do something a little extra during practice to prepare you for those moments? Uh, we just we just have a bunch of speakers out there, so Pete does a great job of trying to replicate that environment. So he just has music, 
blaring throughout the whole practice. So we got to work on our silent cadence and the communication with all that crowd noise. All right, Stone Man, we appreciate your time. It's 7.37, not quite 9.30, so you got a little bit more time to hang out with the wifey and watch some Netflix or a film or whatever you guys do, man. And uh, we, we appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend, and, and go get it done, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, All right, no Tom. problem. All right, that was Stone Forsyth. We're going to see him this weekend, man. I think he's going to do a great job for your Seattle Seahawks. When we return, we're going to go around the NFL. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Brian Walters. Every Thursday, we'll be here at 7 o'clock on 710. You know what? I met a, I met a guy, Dave Ross, man. This is what happens when you, uh, you hang out with guys like Brian Walters who play golf all the time. You know, I'm a golfer. He might be a little better than me. You got to give me, give me uh, some strokes and some, uh, and some money at the end of the day. But uh, you meet Dave Ross, and uh, it's all about connections in the golf game. So, B, I appreciate the connection that you just gave me. Hopefully I can play some golf here pretty soon. Well, you know, I've been trying to play golf with you for, what, two years now. <laughs> we still have not teed it up, so i got to bring other people in to hey. you know, maybe entice you with a good course or something. Hey, maybe no. then you'll play with me, Bump, because hey. right now, you know, I'm striking out. I'm, I'm, hey. I, can't, I can't get you on the course. You're scratch. You're scratch. I'm scared <laughs> of you. I'm scared <laughs> of you. All right, man, let's go around the NFL. We got the first week done and uh, the first week is always the most intriguing to me because you don't really know who's going to do what and what teams are going to be. But there are some things over the past few years that have just been almost guaranteed. And one of them is that the 49ers are going to be good. It makes me sick. I'm watching them. I go, up, oh, Nick Bosa. They signed Nick Bosa for sure. Oh, Brock Purdy. Yep, he's as good as we thought he's going to be. Oh, Bre- Debo Samuel? No, nah, Brandon Ayuk took a step up. He had over 100 yards. And then Christian McCaffrey did his thing. They went down to Pittsburgh, and they got it done. So I look at the 49ers, and I go, all right, they are who we thought they were, <laughs> and we got to compete against these guys. What would you see out of that game? I mean, Niners are tough. Niners are for real. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, Brock Purdy, I think they knew what they were doing, probably sending Trey Lance out and, right. and, and knowing that Brock Purdy's going to be their guy as long as he has a what, UCL um, so he can throw the ball. But, uh, I mean, everywhere you look, you have weapons, uh, not only on offense but on defense. But you go from, you know, McCaffrey and Debo on the same team. I mean, uh, um, and so that's wild. And then, you know, you have their defense with Fred, arguably the best linebacker in the game with Fred Warner. Right. Uh, so it doesn't get any, any easier when it comes to the 49ers as far as them being in the division. So, you know, you just hope to, uh, you know, play your game against them and, and they're going to be good. But it was a weird week around the NFL week one. There was, there was a few blowouts and, and that doesn't happen very much, right? right. I mean, we watched the, the Cowboys uh, crush the Giants. Did you expect anything there? Yeah, I did. You know what I expected? That Daniel Jones wasn't going to be as good as $40 million a year. <laughs> now, I never, I never want to hate on the athlete. You get your money because this league will get rid of you as soon as they think you are done. But I didn't think Daniel Jones was worth $40 million. But just like I can't overreact on the Seahawks, I can't overreact on Daniel Jones and the Giants. We'll see what happens there. Um, update on the game that's happening tonight. Philadelphia, they are up 27-14. to 14. Someone told me, now I, I couldn't watch the game because I was at Cactus, you know, enjoying my uh, brisket taco that I had. Uh, they texted me, actually it was Curtis, his parents in the, in the stands right now, texted me, he said, look, Philadelphia, their fans are booing them in the first quarter. If there's any, there aren't any tougher fans than Philadelphia fans. You ever play in front of a, a, Philly fan, 
uh, Philly uh, Stadium? Yeah, I played there a couple times. Yeah, and it was uh, swirling. I was returning punts, and it was a swirling wind, and it was one of the tougher stadiums to catch punts. But that was a side note of the fans. The fans were were almost like Raider fans playing in. Uh, I bet. Did you play in uh, Oakland back when? Never they were played in Oakland. No. Yeah, that was wild too. So it was almost similar. But I think Philly fans are. Not not taking anything from the Oakland, fans. they're they're very knowledgeable for the game, but they expect a lot out of their team. That's for sure. Any fans that throw batteries at Santa Claus, yeah. I'm yeah. a little suspect to me. All right, another big upset in the season. We had Cincinnati go down and lose to the Cleveland Browns, twenty-four to three. Was not expecting that. Of course, you got Deshaun Watson and all his drama that he brings to the table. He played a decent game. It was more about that defense. And then you had Joe Burrow coming off an injury. I believe it was a strained calf over there. Now, just like Cincinnati fans, I don't think they are panicking over that first week loss. I think the Seahawks shouldn't panic, but it's a bit different over there because obviously they've had recent success. Were you surprised at that score? Yeah, of course. I mean, but... This is like you just said, it's week one. You never know. Crazy things can happen, but the Bengals are a good football team. They're going to bounce back much like the Seahawks, right? I kind of put the Bengals and the Seahawks in the same same category. A couple Pro Bowl quarterbacks that maybe didn't put up the stats that you thought. You know, right. Burrow was through for 82 yards. Um, and you don't expect that from a guy who just signed a, what was it, $200, $300 million contract? Highest paid football player of all time. <sighs> so... Uh, you know, maybe maybe get that game behind him, that first game back with the paycheck, the big paycheck, and now looking forward to week two for him. So, but it's just it, week one's just so different. It's so weird. Uh, and luckily, all these teams like the Bengals and the Giants and and the Seahawks, you know, they have time to recover. Uh, it's not it's not like this is happening in week fourteen. A game that I was looking forward to seeing uh, the result: Green Bay versus Chicago. And the reason why I was looking at Green Bay because Green Bay, one of the luckiest franchises in the game right now you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers like 100 years of great football and then you throw in Jordan Love and I go all right what's it going to be like because the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers in uh, Chicago he's telling the Chicago fans how he owns them and whatnot so Chicago probably felt like they were going to be back in the game but they lose that game 38 to 20 Jordan Love throws for 245 yards now I didn't watch the games for snap but I did go back and look at it he also had three touchdowns he looked okay he's he looked okay but you know how this game goes man you got to prove it every single week if the Packers are able to find another franchise quarterback in Jordan Love I don't think I can remember three Hall of Fame or back-to-back franchise quarterbacks I look at the 49ers at Joe Montana and Steve Young then I think you can go to honestly that's it right there just those two franchises other than that I can't I can't think of one yeah, me neither. I'm thinking uh, Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady, maybe. Is yeah. Drew Bledsoe Hall of Bledsoe Famer? Bledsoe was no, nah, not Hall He's of Famer. Okay, he was, he was the highest paid player in the league at the time. Okay, though. that's fair. Yeah, highest paid player in the league. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I looked at that Green Bay matchup. I go, okay, I want to see what this young man looks like. I'm showing love to Jordan Love. Another matchup that I was looking at. I want to see um, how this went down. Houston against Baltimore, and more because of Houston. You got C.J. Stroud over there. I want to see what the rookie looks like. I never expect rookie quarterbacks to look stellar. I expect him to struggle. I wouldn't say he necessarily had a horrible game, but didn't have a great game. Um, have you played with a rookie quarterback before? And what's that like being in a huddle if you have um, playing with a rookie quarterback? Yeah, uh, well, I was with Russ's rookie year. Uh, and we all know how that went. Russ, Russ was, he had a great little 2012. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Bortles was not a rookie when I was with him. 
Christian Ponder wasn't a rookie, and then I was with Philip Rivers, who today still to the uh, well, I'll get in trouble for saying this in Seattle, <laughs> but still, was the best quarterback I've ever played with, hands down. I mean, yeah. the way he could sling it. Uh, so I never had to have that. Um, no, I guess not. I guess not. Like the high expectation rookie coming in who's, uh-huh. you know, expected to start right away. I've, I've never had that. And, uh, yeah, not like, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud and, and um, Bryce Young and, and those guys. Those guys are just expectations are through the roof. So here, here's my thing. I think I think if, if this Jordan Love thing works out for the Packers, mm-hmm. I think more teams are going to start following that model. Where you sit a guy for three, four yeah, years and like, develop. You know, they did it once, okay, maybe got twice, okay, but three times doing it? Yeah. Like, I mean, then, then they're on to something, and, and teams might start following that model a little bit just to have, because quarterback is so position, or so important, and, and it, it, there's so much to it. You can't get a guy in there for six months come into your team and expect him to know everything there's going to be a big step back it's going to there's going to be some struggling some some learning so you have a guy in there learning from a first off that's the most important thing you have to have a good quarterback right. in front of him so that's not a luxury a lot of teams have so that that puts a damper on that a little bit but to have a quarterback that can sit there and and learn for a year or two the the ins and outs of the playbook and how games go and everything i think is such an advantage and the packers may be onto something here Here's an update of Thursday night football between the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. Philly is up 27, but the Vikings just scored 21. He got seven minutes and 41 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Eagles are going to get the football. We got a game going there. I actually picked the Minnesota Vikings to win this game. And I only picked them because of what happened week one with Philly. They didn't have a great offensive performance. But there's something about the Vikings during the regular seasons where you know they're going to play some good football. So we shall see what happens there. Another game that I was interested in watching, Miami versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Before the season started, Tyreek Hill said he is going to break the single-season receiving yards record. And he had 211 yards off to a great start, man. Now, we've, um, I think, in at least in my opinion, in our, our generation, the greatest receiver I ever saw with my own eyes in their prime is Randy Moss. When you look at Tyreek Hill, if you are a kid who was born in the 2000s, is he the guy that you look at, you think, when it comes to being the best you've seen with your own eyes? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other guys as well now. So you have, you have Tyreek Hill, who does it game in and game out. And, and I'm, I'm actually a little upset I had a chance to take him in fantasy football, mm. and I, I pass on him. Who'd you get? get? Uh, who did I get? Well, we did a different. We did auction, so it got too high, okay. right? The, the yeah. price got too high, yeah. so I didn't, yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, I think it was like 60 points or something for him, and I didn't do it, so I kind of regret that now. But, you know, Calvin Johnson would be there mm-hmm. in the yeah. 2000s as a wide right. receiver. Uh, Jerry Rice? I mean, uh, I, they didn't see him in his prime. Jerry in his prime was like 93, 94, 95. They don't yeah. know about Jerry. No. They don't know about Jerry. Justin Jefferson could get there at some point here in the next four, five, six years, right? right? Be one of the. Yeah. Um, but Tyreek Hill has done it year after year. And, man, he, there's nobody moves like Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you watch him. His legs are pumping so fast, and he's moving so fast. He just He's, a, he's on another level. It's fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, Justin Jefferson is probably the most exciting receiver for me to watch right now. And let me remind you guys, two receivers here. We can just focus on receivers all day, but we're not going to do that to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, Justin Jefferson, obviously one of, one of my favorite receivers to watch. Um, Tua, speaking of uh, Tyreek Hill going over to his quarterback, Tua was asked, he goes, look, a reporter asked him, can you throw the deep ball? Do you know what Tua said to that reporter, B-Walt? <laughs> I have not seen this. Let's- he said 466. 
He threw for 466 yeah. yards. Like, come on, you're going to ask me if I can throw the deep ball. So then what I did, I went back to the box score, and I go, well, I don't know, can he throw the deep ball? He had a long of 47, a long of 35, a long of 24. Every quarterback in the league can throw it deep. It's all about the velocity in which the ball um, flicks off his wrist. What is there a quarterback that you just enjoy watching throw the football? <laughs> Uh, well, can I real quick? Were those? Was there any yak on those little yards after catch, or is that like you know he's airing it out, he's throwing? I remember one at least at Tyreek Hill with it was at least 40, 45 yards in the, in the air. air. Yeah. yeah, that's impressive. Um, well, we all know Russell threw a great deep ball. Uh, he he got praised for that a lot. Um, who do I? I I mean, unfortunately, he just went down with a, a torn Achilles, but. I've always liked how Aaron Rodgers threw, threw the ball, you know, how he throws the ball, I should say. He's not done. He's not done. But it's, it's so effortless and a little, you know, flick of the wrist. Uh, not a lot of perfect mechanics going on. And whenever I watch him and, and he makes some of those plays where he's rolling and, and it's just it doesn't look like he puts much, puts much into it, but it's just this little wrist flick and he gets it out and he gets it into some tight windows. So I've always enjoyed watching him throw the ball and it's been been impressive to see. So I hope he can recover from that uh, injury he just had and come back for another year. He can't go out like that. All right, that was around the NFL. We got that out the way. When we come back, we're getting back to Seahawk Talks. Actually, we're going to talk to Mike Morris live and in person. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7, right here, we'll be on Seattle Sports Station 710 at Bellevue Square Center Court. And right now, actually, I'm with my guy, Brian Walters. Paul Moyer is doing Paul Moyer things, so he's filling in. And we got our guy, Mike Morris, joining us live. Give it up one time for my dude here. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff, man. Mike Morris, man. So, um, you know, it's been a journey. I love talking to players and asking them about, you know, when they fell in love with the game and when they realized, like, I might be pretty good at this. Was there a moment in, in your, your, your youth or coming up where you were like, I'm dominating, I, I might be able to do this? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. When I, uh, when I was a baby, like, when I was two years old, like, my mom took a picture of me, like, holding a football. And I was holding it. I had my hands on the stripes. Like, I was ready to throw the ball. <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, that's when I knew you are going to be a football player. <laughs> but um, I don't know, because uh, in middle school, I had to stop. I was too big to play football. <laughs> so I had to stop playing football and play basketball for a little bit. And then I played my freshman year um, in, in high school because my mom made me. And um, I fell back in love with the game. And then I realized how good I was. Eventually got offers from like Florida State, my dream school at the time, and so many other schools. And that's when I really knew I could really go the distance with the sport. See, all the athletes play basketball. They do. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Play, play the sports. Uh, you mentioned you had an offer from Florida State. Uh, mm -hmm. Your dad went to Florida State, played offensive yes. line there, correct? So what went into your, pro, uh, your, you know, your decision of, of going to Michigan over a school like Florida State, your dream school, as you said? Um, it just came down to uh, just I had some friends on the team prior to because I was committed since I was a freshman. So I had some friends on the team. They said the program really wasn't what it is. So it was more so just like, uh, I'm not really. Let me, let, me, let me venture out and see what else there is. So ended up coming down to two schools, Tennessee and uh, Michigan. And uh, I chose two schools, prayed over it, and uh, got some signs and made the best of it. Nice. And you chose Michigan. 
You're from Florida. Yeah. And it's Crazy. humid in Florida. I mean, I remember I was Crazy. training for the league in Florida. I remember driving around the turnpikes and seeing big iguanas just mm-hmm. chilling up there. Like, And then you go from tropical to the Midwest. Midwest. What was that like? Crazy. I remember in November, I, was, I had surgery and I was on crutches. And um, we had a snowstorm. They said it was going to be a snowstorm. It went from like 50 degrees is perfect weather. It went from 50 to like negative two overnight. <laughs> and then we had like like two feet of snow that night. So me and all the guys from Florida, Georgia, we're all going to class together. We have class together. And I'm on my crutches. I look outside, see two feet of snow. And I'm like, yeah, we all went back inside. <laughs> and we just, we just took the L in class and just, but yeah, it, it was a culture shock. It was freezing, bundled up. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. The but same, it, was, it was so worth it. It I was bet. so worth it. It is. The same experience, actually. We had three feet of snow on spring ball in upstate New York. So... I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, there. it snows in April. Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> it the shortest spring of all it time, right? It snows in April. You only get sun from maybe like you'll get sun May, June, July, August. Uh huh. September on, you're getting clouds, and it's kind of similar to this without the rain. Right. But you get snow, which is so much worse. So I can deal with the rain. I'm cool with that. Right. Uh, I want to ask you, so I've, I've read that your sister uh, was a grad assistant at Michigan mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah. football program as well. What was that like? Kind of uh, it was around? amazing. It was amazing to see my sister just uh, kind of break records, just reset the standard of how of uh, women, in, uh, especially in football, not only in sports. And uh, it was just amazing just to see just to see her in that position and to see her working with a team, like being kind of like a big sister to all the guys. Um, and it was just an amazing experience for me just to see that and her be a part of something really special. Very cool. Especially being my senior year. It was, it was really special. Nice. Man, speaking of special, um, you were really excited when one of your boys got drafted um, to the Seattle Seahawks. We got some sound of you reacting to Olu. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks drafted your teammate a couple picks later. Uh, what's your scouting? Yeah, Olu, Olu, what to me? Oh, my gosh. I was so happy. I was happy. I just, I totally disregarded everything that was going on with me, and I was strictly on Olu. And I was like, bro, we're lit. We're lit. That's love right there, man, mm-hmm. because, I mean, people understand it, but you don't really understand it in, unless you're in it, right? Yeah. You're, you're in, in college. You're going to class. You're seeing snow two feet high. You're going yeah. to practice. You're, you're grinding. You're winning. You're losing. And then you get to have an experience with one of your teammates, mm-hmm. man. Um, something that everyone dreams about. What was that moment like? Oh, man, it was great. As soon as I, because like the Seahawks had the 51st and I, the 151 and like the 154. And there were like three picks after. And then my, I'm like, I'm talking to all the, um, all the news reporters who want to talk to me. And then I just see on the screen, Olu, Olu, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I was just so hyped because uh, just the kind of player he is, like Remington, Outland winner, just an amazing player, amazing leader, just uh, an amazing presence to have in your locker room. He's just an amazing guy. And I just love to go to work with him, battle with him, and just feed off of his energy that he's given me. And I just love that he's on my team with me. That's, that's, dope. that's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, you guys went at it. Mm-hmm. Every day in Michigan, and now you get yeah. to do the same thing. Yeah, Zach Charbonnet too. Even though he left, but yeah, him right. too. Yeah. So I was, I, I called him immediately. I was like, bro, like we're lit. You got like, two of your boys, two on of my boys on the squad. That's dope. And yeah. also the crazy, other crazy thing, I played against Kenny McIntosh in high school. Wow, dang, yeah, yeah. Oh, world, so it was huh? crazy. All right, 
Wow. Yeah, also beat Jackson twice. <laughs> Get it in there. I like it. I like it. Uh, I got to ask you this. I ask all rookie this, this pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what was your or have you had your, your welcome to the NFL moment where either you say, wow, like this is this is next level or man, I can do this. I can, you know, really uh, succeed in, at this league or, or, you know, what was your moment that really uh, shocked you, I guess, coming into the league? Um, I'm not going to lie. Going against uh, Phil, our uh, our right tackle i mean our right guard going against phil every day he was like i'm coming into the locker room as a rookie i see this big dude just swole strong <laughs> biceps the size of my face and i'm like dang and i remember he grabbed me one time he grabbed me and i was like i can't do anything like, <laughs> you know and um i think i think just going against him going against abe going against uh charles and the whole o-line uh definitely was a welcome to the it's, well, it's a welcome to the NFL moment every day in practice. And I'll probably say the moment where I realized I can play this game was a long time, for a long time was definitely uh, this past Sunday mm-hmm. with the Rams. Um, I was playing nose a little bit, a position that I was kind of very uncomfortable with because I never really played nose. I went from outside linebacker to three-tech to then playing nose on a Sunday. And I'm like, oof, this is going to be a long day. And I'm like, dang, I'm about to get double teams, all kind right. of stuff. And I'm like, you know what, let me just take it on the chin and, and really try to figure this out. And then as I'm playing, like there were three plays where it just went past because I was just so nervous. And then like I got finally settled in and everything just got so quiet. Mm. And then everything just started moving so slow. And I was like, hold on. Like, why is everything moving so slow? In practice, everything moves fast. Uh-huh. And I'm like in the game, it's like, bro, everything is so slow. Like the, I can see the ball snap. I can see this dude moving, this dude coming back to me. I'm like, let me see some, and I just started, I just started getting off the rock crazy, and I just started causing like um, a lot of chaos in the backfield. And I'm just like, "Yo, this game is really easy once you just dumb it down." Uh-huh. Because practice is really the hard part, but like once you get into the game, it's just everything's slow, calm, and it's like you're in your element. That's the best feeling in the world, too, ain't it? Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. It's like, it, it's just, it's calming. It's like, I go to sleep, my, um, I got to go to sleep with noise. I like mm-hmm. that, that noise, and I got, like, the ocean mm-hmm. just, <laughs> as our play. And the the slowest the game ever felt to me, it felt like I was just on the beach just listening to the ocean go. So mm-hmm. that's awesome that you got that feeling your very first game yeah. in the league. So I know, how it, I know how it feels, and I know how it should feel. I know how it should look. And uh, it just it just boosted my confidence so much. So you you had to put on some weight though, right? I man, I okay. From the combine, I went from two. Actually, I was like 280 going into the combine. Uh-huh. They weren't really feeding us like that because we had so much medical stuff. I ended up losing like seven, eight pounds in the combine. Got down to like 275, and then at uh, pro day, I was like 274. And then all the way, I got drafted by the Seahawks, and they wanted me to get, gain weight. Ended up at draft day uh, weighing in like 290, and now I'm 300. Dang. You 300? Damn. I'm 300. Sneaky pounds. 300. Yeah. yeah like, you don't really know. Sneak up on you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they had you over there at, uh, taking on them double teams. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. You don't look 300 at all. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. I'm going to stick to the outside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, are there, is there a, uh, a, like a veteran that's really helped you so far uh, make the adjustment? To uh, I would definitely say Jaron Reed, uh, Draymond Jones, and uh, Mario Edwards. Yeah. Them three. I think Rio's on year eight or nine. Jay Reed's on year nine. And uh, Dre just got a second contract on year five. And those three have helped me a lot throughout this process. 
in terms of just like understanding the ball, understanding the game, understanding what different formations they're going to give you certain things. So once you cheat that system, the game just also gets so much easier. Just teaching me all kinds of tips and tendencies and plus them playing these teams for nine years, five years. It's it's kind of very vanilla and it's very a copycat league. So as I'm learning yeah. all these things like I'm a high IQ guy, so I look and I look and listen to everything that they're saying, and not taking anything that they're saying for granted. How hungry are you guys to get back out there this Sunday and oh, kind of right your wrongs? I'm so hungry because looking back at the film, looking back at everything that was going on, that game was easily winnable uh, up at halftime, and uh, it's something that we can't harp on, but it's something that we got to correct and look at to reflect and fix. And now it's uh, it's on to the next right now. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, for coming over and hanging yeah. out with us. I know Great Thursday stuff. isn't super convenient at 8 mm -hmm. o'clock, but uh, you did it for us, man. That's Mike Moore. Yeah. You guys watch this guy. He'll be all over the field. All right, when we return, we'll go inside the film where we're going to break down some plays. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts at 7 every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy Brian Walters. This is the time where we go inside the film room and break things down. The very first play we're going to break down, Geno finds DK for a 10-yard touchdown. 12th play on the drive, second down and nine. Charbonnet stays in the back, and here comes the blitz. Geno has time, throws it over the top. Metcalf! DK Metcalf, not a chance, baby. Geno Smith wafts it up over the top from 10 yards out. Metcalf has now tied Daryl Turner for sixth place on the Seahawks' all-time receiving touchdowns list with 36, and they made it look easy. Yeah, man. Tell me what you saw, B. <laughs> Hey, this is, uh, you know, the Rams show kind of a late, almost a cover zero. Uh, you know, we were kind of debating what it is with this safety. Um, looks that he's trying to cover the running back, but the running back stays in to block. But this is the perfect play call against this uh, cover zero. And, and Gino doesn't need to make a check or anything. This is just a straight up call almost guessed right because of the, the the Rams. A lot of times in cover zero, you'll show cover zero, right? right. So you know it's man-to-man. -man, uh -huh. You better win. But this is kind of a late developing cover zero where where they show it. They try to delay it. They try to show late. The, the linebackers come from depth. Uh, the safeties are deep, and they come in and play man late. And and so Gino doesn't necessarily – he can't see it right away. And so this is the play called. A lot of – you know, we used to have a check where every time we'd see cover zero, we would check and, and have a guy nod and go over the top because that's how you beat him. You beat cover zero – on a quick double move right and that's exactly what the seahawks have called right here they have on the outside they have mirrored routes on on each side of the football they have uh dk running a, a slant and go a sluggo and uh, i think it was jsn in the middle yep. uh running a like a snag route right which is a little slant and then you come back flat to the sideline and so there's two double moves and that was mirrored on both sides with the wide receivers on the top and it's just perfect because the dbs are taught when you have no help and you have pressure coming, they can jump these quick routes because, you know, you're expecting pressure to get to the quarterback. So if you see a route, you're jumping it, and that's where the interceptions happen. So the, the corner for the Rams jumped 
DK's initial slant move, and that allowed him, uh, DK, to put his foot in the ground, go to the end zone, and Gino threw a perfect ball off his back foot with pressure, lobbed it to the corner, and that was a touchdown. You got to love it. You got to imagine that Gino got to the line of scrimmage and said, oh, yeah, manned up, <laughs> number 14. You ready? I'm going right to you, right? Uh, just because... DK being so big, and his route running has really evolved over the past, what, three, four seasons, man. So nice to see Gino and DK getting on the same page early. This next play, Jay Reed blocks a 57-yard field goal attempt by the kicker from the Rams, Brett. <laughs> Here's a 52, make it a 57-yard field goal attempt from Brett Maher off the right hash mark. It oh. gets blocked. It's rolling near side. It's picked up by the Seahawks. It's Michael Jackson. Looks to cut back inside. Gets ripped to the ground by the Rams. But a blocked field goal. And I see Jaron Reed holding his hand up in the air. That might have been him who blocked it. Nothing like special teams. That's where you, uh, you can win and lose games on special teams, right? You get a big return, you can win a game. You get a block, you can win a game. And when you see things like that, those are hitting points and, and hitting plays that at the end of the game, they can affect it so much, but people kind of forget about them. So it was nice to see the Hawks kind of get after the, the field goal kicker here. Uh, what you see on this play? You know, the Seahawks have a, looks like a, a block right would be called, or, uh, you know, from the Seahawks' perspective, the block is right. So they are overloading on the right side, and, you know, the end's coming around, and, and they're trying to just get all the push they can from the center to the, uh, to the right of the center. And uh, because, you know, it's a longer field goal, it's a, you know, it's a 50-yarder, 50 50-some 50 yarder, the kick's going to come off low, and he, the kicker is going to be kicking it slightly left, right, because they're on the right hash. Uh -huh. So you're going to call that block right. And everything is, is set up perfect here for the Seahawks. Um, you know, Mike Jackson's doing his job. When it's a block right, the guy on the opposite side is there for scoop and score is what we'd call it. And, and if the ball is blocked, then he is ready to scoop that thing and start running for the touchdown. And unfortunately, this wasn't blocked backwards, right? <laughs> it was blocked to the side. Otherwise, this was a touchdown for the Seahawks. So Mike Jackson had to actually retreat, go get the ball, and then uh, return it. But it was a, just a well-executed uh, field goal block play, as I would say. You know, I was never on these. I don't know why. I mean, I would love to <laughs> stuff the middle and try to block a field goal. But... Um, it was, it's just an exciting play. You don't see this very often anymore. You don't see a lot of blocked no. field goals. It's tough. So when you can pull it off and everything works exactly, Jaron Reed was able to get his hand up. And, and that's what you do. A lot of times it's, I hate to say it, a little bit of luck. I mean, you're just putting your hand out. You hope that ball. There's not a lot of space for that ball to hit. Right. And you stick your hand up in the right spot, you get the block. And a lot of good things can happen. Last year, correct me if I'm wrong, faithful 12s, Tariq Woolen blocked one, and Mike Jackson scooped and scored against the 49ers. That could have been his second one in two years. How awesome would that have been for Mike Jack? All right, this last one, we got Matthew Stafford. He finds 2-2 Atwell for a 44-yard game. Rams 7 of 9 on third down. This is a third and 8 from his own 48. Stafford from the shotgun. Here comes the rush. Stafford stands strong. He's going to let it fly. Got a man out there. It's Atwell. He makes the catch. He's down inside the 10, down to the 7. Trey Brown chased him all the way across the field, but Atwell just ran right past the Seahawks as he went in motion and then cut back outside, and two defenders literally ran into each other, and that allowed Atwell to run open a 45-yard game. Oh, man, unfortunately, one of the uh, the big plays of the game, and this kind of this shows 
the struggles that this secondary had when it comes to the Rams. You and I were talking off of air. And we were saying, look, we would have loved to played in this Ram offense. We are slot receivers. If you let us line up inside, go outside, get a rub over the top, we're mismatch. That's what we do. So you see Tutu Atwell do that, man. What did you see and why was this play so successful? Yeah, the Rams, uh, they did this all game. It seemed like they were doing motions into these bunch formations. And when you play these bunch formations, a lot of communicating has to happen right. on the defensive side, right? You know, who's taking the point man? Who's taking in out who's taking the crosser there's there's all kinds of things and that's just the the short list of it right right and in this particular play it was man to man i mean uh we weren't passing anything off uh the guy that you lined up against is the guy that you're guarding and the rams got us because the rams they motion atwell down and he he shoots in like he's maybe going to run a crossing route but then pops out for what i call a high seven route where you're almost hitting going up back to the back corner of the end zone and why you're doing that why the, the point the reason why you shoot in is to cause confusion in the defense and that's exactly what happened where we had our two guys ran into each other right when one was covering the option route and the inside of this bunch was an option route who did a little you're supposed to delay off the line of scrimmage and push you know six seven yards and you're looking you get a pick you get to go you get to go inside if it's open you get to go outside if it's open and right here he had a two-way go inside was open and outside was open and the defenders unfortunately ran into each other and Atwell Stafford's not going to miss that when two defenders run into each other he's going to know who's going to spring open they had the big 44 yard gain here's the good news Detroit doesn't do too much of that their offense is a it's a yeah. bit different here's the bad news Detroit is probably going to try to do some of that because the Hawks put it on film and show that they have a hard time defending it. That's how the NFL works. It's a copycat leave. If you show you can't defend something, you best believe the opposition next week is going to show you a little bit of that. All right, B, this next one. Coming up, it's time to talk that talk. This one, we pick out a couple categories or some phrases or beliefs or whatnot, and he tells me why he's right. I tell him why I'm right. And since I'm, I'm the host, I usually end up with the last word. So you guys, uh, you guys got to roll with that. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Time to talk that talk. I'm still here, but Moyer is doing Moyer things. So we got my guy, B. Walt, Brian Walters, for people who don't know. I feel like I got to say your name. I always say B. Walt. But um, yeah, man, talk that talk. This is how that works, how this works. All right. I'm going to say a phrase or a belief or something. I'm going to argue to why it is true or false. And then my guy, B, is going to tell me whether it's true or false in the way he believes, the way he lives his life. All right. How he does his things. So here's the first one. The Seahawks' improved run defense is not a fluke. What they did last week is not a fluke. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I have to agree with that statement. Okay. I think they put in so much into the offseason of just revamping this D-line. I mean, the Rams ran 40 times for 92 yards. That's You can't hide that, right? You, you know, you can't disguise that. I so. thought you were going to give me the the uh, yards per game Cornell you didn't you didn't do it huh? okay yards per game there's only one game per game oh per game oh I see <laughs> <laughs> there's only one 92 yards per game <laughs> um, so I, you know you can't hide that but uh, it's 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 for real not a fluke not a fluke I'm going to say it is not a fluke but they're gonna prove it this weekend because you got Gibbs yeah. 
and you got Montgomery. And we know those two can run the rock. So I'm with you. I believe that they got this thing fixed. I was surprised with how they did it, honestly, too. They played with a lot of two defensive linemen and then the edge rushers, all right, and played a lot of diamond nickel on the back end. I wasn't ready for that. I thought they were going to come out with their traditional 3-4 and do their thing. But they got it done. I don't care how they did it, but it worked for them. I'm with you there. So, all right, what we got? Man, all right. Agreeing, huh? That's rare. That's <laughs> rare, Bump. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's see. This is a good one. I like this. This will be interesting. Uh, the Seahawks will end Jared Goff's streak of 359 consecutive passes without an interception. They better. They better. It's either Quandre getting picks or it's Tariq Woolen getting picks. Mike Jackson got one last year, the first of his career, and I can't remember anybody else. And I'm sure someone else got a pick in there in that situation. But those are the two things. Here's what I do know about Jared Goff. He's probably going to make the right throw. Now, when you have a quarterback who's going to make the right throw most of the time, that means you just got to make a play, right? You have to make uh, a play that no one expects. Tariq Woolen intercepted Jared Goff last year and took it back for six. So not only am I going to say they're going to end that thing, it's not going to be Tariq Woolen. It's going to be Devin Whips when his first game starting as a Seahawk. Put some sauce on that for you, B. Wow. All right. Once <laughs> I unfortunately I have to agree with you. Right, I okay. want to disagree so bad. There's nothing. Nothing gets me more fired up than being able to stand up here and argue with you. But I got to agree. I mean, all streaks have to come to an end at some point. I think the larger the number for Jared Goff, the more he thinks about it. Yeah. And the more he doesn't want it to happen. And, and he, you know, may make a poor decision or do something. So and and I was going to say the same exact thing. I want Witherspoon's first game <laughs> in there. Come in. A little interception under his belt, and then we go from there. So I'm going to agree with you. All right. Well, you know what? We're probably going to – I probably know the answer to this one for you then. Devin Witherspoon <laughs> will be an immediate impact player for this defense. Well, if I said no on this one, I'd kind of go against what I just what I just said, right? right? So, so yes, duh, obviously. Here we go. Yeah, Devin Witherspoon is going to come in. He's going to make an impact. He's, he's a much-needed player. There's a reason why he is the fifth overall pick. Uh, we, we haven't seen anything from him yet. He's been injured, so I am excited. Couldn't be more excited. I want this to be the Witherspoon show in Detroit. Stop coming up, showing why he's being physical. He's stopping the run. Uh, that's what he's known for, right? He's yep, coming up yep. and, and making tackles like a safety, but, you know, playing that lockdown corner. So uh, this is a, an exciting game to see, one, the role he's in. Is he nickel? Is he is he starting on the outside? What is he doing and how much he actually plays? You know, wh where, how how much Pete is, is he going to be on a snap count? How much Pete will get him in there? All right, so for the sake of argument, I'm going to say no. I just went against everything I just said. I'm going to say no because he's not going to get that pick until late in the game. He's going to have his struggles early because that's what rookies do, right? He's going to get acclimated. He's going to feel the speed of the game. He's going to have to settle down. He's going to make his mistakes. But then eventually, he's going to do what we both think he's going to do. So immediate, it's all about a technicality. How do you define immediate? Is it like first quarter, second quarter, third quarter? Or we just talk about the game. Yeah, you took it very literally there. I the did. Because I was thinking immediate as in first half of the season. Okay. You know, first four games of okay. the season. But you went immediate like first quarter of this first game. Immediate. Immediate. Okay. You know? All right. Technicality. That's how the Wazoo brain works. Technicality. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Here's one for you. Jason Peters will play significant snaps for the Seahawks this season. I love it. I mean, 41-year-old, just bringing the wisdom to the team. What a, what a cool signing. What a good story. He said in an interview, he was uh, 
he said, you know, 20 sounds so much better than 19, right? <laughs> this is his 20th season, which I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I do. You say, I played 20 seasons in the NFL versus I played 20. 19. Both are very impressive, but man, 20 is just on another level. Um, I'd take five. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> you got five. I would have loved to get to 10. That was my What'd you get? Seven, eight? Seven. Seven? Seven. Yeah, yeah 10 would have been my goal, but 20, double on. Wow. Um, but to answer that question, I'm going to say no. I, I don't see that happening. I, I, you know, I see him being being there, helping out these guys. But I, I, I hope for the Seahawks sake that, you know, the two tackles will be back soon. Um, you know, we know Abe Lucas will be back what, week six. Um, and then Charles Cross. I mean, we don't even know week to week. Right. Yeah. So so I, I, when you say significant snaps to me, that shows that tells me. You know, he's going to be playing week in, week out. Right. I think I think he'll get in there, and I think he'll sub in for maybe a couple games. But I don't think it'll be a full-time deal. Yeah, um, I'm going off of the, the hope. I'm going off of hope that he's not. Because yeah. if he isn't, that means that Abe Lucas is good. That means that Charles Cross is good. That means that Stone Forsyth, that we spoke to today, is doing enough to, to kind of hold it down. That means Phil Haynes is all right. That means Evan Brown. That means that everyone on this offensive line, even though they might not get every single snap, nothing really drastic happens to make it to where we have to depend on a 40-year-old guy. I got nothing against 40-year-olds. I'm fighting 40 myself every single day, <laughs> B. I'm fighting 40. Got nothing but love for the 40-year-olds, 80s babies out there. Stand up. I love you. Okay. But I hope that we do not have to use him at a high clip uh, because that means that our future um, is a bit shady when it comes to our guys at that tackle spot. Could you imagine going out there at 40 years old? And I can't imagine going out there right now. <laughs> right now. Cannot imagine. My wife asks me all the time. She goes, oh, you can do that. I go, I'm good for this. Fair catch. <laughs> bam. Possession. Yeah. Offense, you take over. Yeah. You you look like you can still go a little bit. Yeah, until maybe a second quarter, my hamstring blows. I think <laughs> I think that's what would happen. Uh, yeah, I feel good for that first quarter though. Uh, but and then he's playing he's playing tackle. Yeah, I mean, he's getting contact. You're like you're calling fair catch, right? Yeah. You're not taking the hits. Nope. You're good. He's playing one of the most violent positions on the on the field. I mean that is impressive as a 41. You know how I know I I, I couldn't do it the other day. <laughs> I tried to step over something and felt just a little pull in my groin. I go for real. And I, I work out, B. Yeah. I don't work out the way I used to, though. Yeah. That's messed up. I mean, I'm sore after I play golf. So, Man. I mean, that's like leisurely sports. All Sit the down time. In the car, walk around, swing. Off. Father time, undefeated. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. We're done with all that old talk. We're not. We're old in football years, not in not in real years, though. Okay. Hey, when we come back, man. What? First of all, let me thank the crowd that's still here, man. We appreciate y'all, all the love. We love it. Coming up next, man. We're gonna put a bow in the same. We're gonna talk about the uh, the matchup this weekend, the must win against the Detroit Lions. That's coming up next on Hawks Live. Sunday, the Seahawks look to get back on track in Detroit. Ken Walker did it like that last year. He's doing it again. He is so explosive. Seahawks, Lions, kickoff 10 a.m. pregame coverage starting at 7. He gets blocked. It's rolling near side. It's picked up by the Seahawks. It's Michael Jackson. On your home for the Seahawks, Seattle Sports. Streaming on the Seattle Sports app. Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. 
presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here. You guys come and join us at Bellevue Square Center Court. I appreciate the fans who came out today. We gave away some good stuff, man. We ate at Cactus today. We gave out a, a gift card there, also a gift card to Daniel's Broiler. And, um, you know, as the season goes along, we'll visit and taste uh, some other food from restaurants and give uh, gift cards out then. So there's incentive. If you want free stuff, you come out here, man. And then uh, we went to Cactus and uh, won the brisket. Now, you can mess up some brisket, right? You know brisket. I've had some brisket that's kind of shady. All right, the brisket tacos were amazing there. They got a seasonal menu coming out. All right, it starts at 928. They got roasted Brussels sprouts. Who likes Brussels sprouts here? All right, lots of I Brussels sprouts. All right, we, they got uh, avocado. They got, uh, I don't know, butter cake. They got a whole bunch yeah, of butter stuff. Cake. Butter cake, man. That butter cake. You like butter cake? I do like butter cake. Yeah. Butter cake is a fantastic dessert. I highly recommend it. All right. Didn't know Cactus had it. That's amazing. Hey, Cactus, they're versatile. Going back. Not just Mexican food. <laughs> they got a little bit of everything. I'll tell you what. Cactus is a big staple for me, though. You know, there's one in Kirkland, one in Bellevue here. It's just too easy. It's too convenient. It's right there. <laughs> I go there all the time, and it never lets me down. All right. Well, you guys, make sure you holler at my folks over there at Cactus. They'll take care of you. All right, man. It's time to talk about these lions to wrap this thing up. There's... A couple things that concern me about the lines. You're facing a quarterback that does not turn the football over very often. So if you are to win this game, you got to make him do some things that are out of who he is, which is turn the football over. Another thing, Jared Goff was only sacked 23 times last year. Geno was top three when it came to sacks. Russell led the league in sacks with about 50 plus. I believe Geno was right behind him around the mid 40s. So Goff is only sacked 23 times, only sacked one time last week. If you want to win this ball game, it starts with getting after the quarterback, causing a turnover, and putting Jared Goff, as uh, Rabel would say, making him have a seat on his wallet. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm just shocked. It's rare you see a game like last week with no turnovers and no sacks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Seahawks didn't have either of them. So, so this is a great time to get your first, right? Get your first sack, get out there, celebrate with your team, and, and get that. We want it to be an interception. We want to end that Jared Goff streak, yeah. right? We'll take a fumble. We will. We, I'll be happy with a fumble. But, yep. but I want to see an interception. I want to see the secondary make some big plays and really uh, recover, or not, not recover, but come back from last week's, um, you know, performance against Matthew Stafford. So let's, uh, let's get after. Uh, but, but all starts it's all together right the defensive line they can put pressure on golf he's gonna make bad decisions yep. that's what happens right if you let a guy sit in that pocket you can pick apart a defense i mean i might even be able to maybe not but i might be able to complete a pass you played quarterback in high school i did you? play quarterback in high school, I high down school. the road shout out juanita <laughs> the ravens it is the ravens now <laughs> yes um but you know you sit you can have a quarterback sit in that pocket for a while it makes their job a lot easier so pressure on the quarterback get some sacks get some get some uh qb hits first yeah. rattle them i think there was one qb hit last week except for on the flea flicker maybe might have been two kobe Bryant right. had one on the flea flicker so just it's all about that all about that pressure and and then get jared Goff feeling uncomfortable back there i played quarterback two in high school did you i'll complete the pass b okay just run a hitch give me a cover three let me know what i'm looking at i will complete a pass <laughs> hey so another thing these guys said this is a confident detroit lions team that's a dangerous team they're confident they just beat the Super Bowl champions. Now, you can look at it and say, oh, Chris Jones wasn't there. Travis Kelsey wasn't there. You think these dudes care? 
if those guys were not there? No, they do not. They're flying high with confidence. That's a dangerous team. So I'm hoping that the hunger that the Seahawks have after taking a loss kind of overwhelms these guys at their house with all the ski masks that are going to be out there and all the drama. Um, sometimes when you go on the road, it galvanizes a team, right? You bring them together after, after a loss. You're on the road. I don't think many are picking these guys to win this game. I don't know where, what Vegas has to spread at. But um, this is a time for these guys to come together because it feels like a must-win game to me. Does it feel like that to you, B? It is a must-win game. And, and I always like going on the road. I always thought it limited distractions. You know, you don't have as many loved ones around. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, you, you're, you're just, you are. You're bonding with your team. You're eating meals with your team. You're doing everything with your team. And this is a two-day trip, right? You're going to the East Coast, so they're uh, probably going tomorrow. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, you get Friday night just to, to hang out, whatever, hotel, grab some food in Detroit. Um, but you're just with your teammates, and so you get some bonding time, and, and it's, it's always, a, always a fun. I always look forward to road trips. You, you played in Detroit before? I have. I've played a couple times What the heck is there to do in Detroit? I don't remember what I did in Detroit, honestly. But I, I liked it. I, I always liked dome stadiums or indoor stadiums. Um, I'm not was, talking about a, the stadium. Yeah, well, that's You why. out there on a Friday? You got to do something. My dad's from Detroit. I'll tell you I what I did. I went, when, when Pete Carroll on the plane said, two free movies tonight to the whole plane, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm in my room. I'm watching a movie, and I'm hanging out. That's what I did on road trips. I relaxed. I took, took the week and, 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 and got some, got some catch-up sleep. So oh, they broke the bank. Right. Two free movies, <laughs> Two huh? free movies. How about that? Nine ninety nine a piece. Yeah, that's they what broke it is. the bank with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. The Detroit Lions, they, they got some young talent, too. Right. Last year, I looked at both teams and I go, they're pretty comparable. Right? You have a quarterback who's with his, well, at the time, Geno's what, like his third or fourth team, but getting like his second wind at this thing. You have a team that has offensive weapons, but you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think these teams are still similar, even though the Hawks are coming off of a loss. You still have a quarterback who's looking to prove himself in this league, right, to reassure people like, look, I am who we think he is. And then you also have some young talent around. So this is a pivotal game, at least for the Seahawks. With the Detroit Lions, they could lose a game and still be fine. But with the Hawks, they need to win this game. Is it uh, foolish to depend on young players like I think the Hawks might have to depend on? You know, it's not the ideal situation, but if your young players are as good as we think they're going to be, then then why not, right? I mean, I guess we talked about it early in the show how it's nice that a guy like Jordan Love was able to sit behind Rodgers for a couple of years before now he's getting his chance to play, but you don't always have that luxury. Um, uh, I, so, no, I think it's fun for these uh, to see these young guys get out there. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see Devin Witherspoon get out there. Um, and you're right, Detroit is in the sa- similar situation. I mean, they're throwing uh, Jameer Gibbs, yeah. uh, their first-round pick, uh, running back who I think will continue to get better and better. I mean, he had some electric runs last week, and he's coming in. So this is – you're right. These, these teams are almost mirror images of each other, uh, and it's because last year they exceeded all expectations. Yep. Uh, ever, anyone gave them. And coming into this year, um, fans, media, everyone expects nothing but, um, you know, playoffs, maybe a deep playoff run from both teams. Uh, and so, uh, and, and they're young, young teams. So, therefore, yeah, you're right. They are very, very similar to each other. Blue-collar type teams. The thing that now, 
when they're not playing the Seahawks, I root for the Lions because of the personality of Dan Campbell, the head coach. No one really expects him to do anything. Um, so this should be a battle of the blue collars in the NFL. You know, you got your superstar teams. You got your Philadelphia Eagles, your 49ers. Um, do y'all believe in the Cowboys? Every year they say they're going to do something. Y'all believe in the Cowboys? <laughs> Every year they're picked to do something. They come out 40-0 against the New York Giants. But something about the Cowboys I just don't believe. I can't buy into Jerry and everything that he's doing. But um, I like matchups like this because you know it's going to be a hard-fought game. It's going to be a disciplined game. Um, before I let you go, what is the main key for the Seahawks to get it done this week against the Lions? You know what? I'm going to go with big plays. I thought uh, offensively. Uh, defensively, we already know, but I want to go offense. Uh, the more the offense can have the ball, the better, right? We need to get that time of possession up. So I, I want to go big plays um, and, and just to be explosive. I think we had one or two big plays big plays last game which is unheard of the Seahawks are known for their big plays taking shots down the field using DK using Tyler Lockett let's get JSN involved let's have Kenneth Walker K9 break a big run because that's what you do give him the rock give him the rock give him the rock and then he's going to break one for 40 yards and uh, that's what we didn't see any so um, I want to see that the big play happen and it's it's just important for the momentum confidence right when you can get those the whole excitement of the team changes and that goes for defense too, getting that big turnover i mean that's a big uh excitement and a big momentum swing that you just didn't have last game there wasn't that big momentum shift it was just kind of a lull i thought the entire game all right let's hope they get it done man i want to thank brenna rogers she's the on-site engineer all right we got Chauncey, he's a production assistant. Nasha Choby is the executive producer of this show. Brady Robick is back in the studio doing his thing. I'm Michael Bumpus. This is Brian Walters. This is Hawks Live. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Download the Seattle Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at seattlesports.com.